We're continuing this morning in a sermon series entitled, Filled, The Ordinary Life of the Believer. We're walking through the book of Acts and seeing whatever was normal for them is to be normal for us. And we're also giving attention to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. What do we learn of what he wants to do in the believer's life, but also what about him? Who is he that we can honor him and worship him? That's part of the reason we took out 12 and a half minutes today to share in the Nicene Creed. (laughs) Because of that section that reminds us of his his lordship, that he's worthy of worship, that, that he's of the same essence as the Father and the Son, that he is co-eternal, that he is co-equal. It reminds us of his divinity. It reminds us uh, that he's indivisibly united uh, with God. So that's my prayer over these weeks together. Spirit never really speaks of himself. And so in Acts, we want to see what is it we can see of him to grow in our knowledge of him and also grow in the knowledge of what he wants to do in and through us. Last week, We looked at our desperate need for the Holy Spirit and the call upon our lives to wait upon the move of the Spirit in our lives, to to hopefully see the deep need that we have and to do that work of waiting well. And then in our opening uh, sermon of this series, we talked about that when the Spirit comes, you see it with Simeon and so many others in the beginning of Luke, when the Spirit comes, he comes to make Christ clear, to make his benefits clear known. You're going to see that today in Peter's preaching and other preaching throughout the the, the book of Acts. When the Spirit comes, it's to bring us back to Jesus, to make him clear. As we just sang together, open my eyes, help me to listen. I want to see Jesus. That's what the Spirit ever lives to do, to make Jesus clear. But then also, part of this series, as we go, as I've read through the book of Acts several times for this series, What are those things that that the early church did, those first believers? What what were their spiritual disciplines that opened their lives more to the filling and the work of the Holy Spirit? Really, what were those prerequisites for the Holy Spirit uh, to reign in their life, to move in their life, to fill in their lives? We want to make sure we're about those things. I like what Jim Cimbala says in his book, Fresh Power. We cannot live off of what God did in our lives last week, last month, or last year. We need continual infillings of the Spirit. And so what do we see here at Pentecost? After they have waited and waited well, and after they've waited at a place which was a place of shame for them, a place of pain for them. This is not going to be them. Whatever God is going to do, it's going to have to be him because at this place, they had betrayed. At this place, they had filled. Lord, it's going to have to be you. When they get there, then the fire falls. It's Pentecost and they are, verse 4, they're filled with the Spirit. Listen, as you go through the book of Acts, just read along with me as we go through this series. Everything and everybody is filled with something. You read just this chapter alone. The house is filled. They are filled. They're going to be accused by others of being full of sweet wine. Later, David's words are going to be brought up, and they're going to be living that promise that they will be full of gladness. 
Nobody talks more in the New Testament about filling or being full than Luke. You look at his book, his gospel, and his, and his book of Acts, it's 50%. Of all the 27 books of the New Testament, 50% of the uses of filled or full are in these two books alone. It's God's plans and purpose. Luke is arguing, church, God wants to fill. God wants to make you full. And if he doesn't do it, as you read through the book of Acts, mark for yourselves, something else will fill you. It just will. It could be jealousy, you're going to see that. It could be rage and anger, you're going to see that. It could be deceit, you bump into that. It could be an idol. Everybody, everything is filled. Verse 4, they were filled. They did what Jesus commanded, and they were filled with the Spirit. And by the way, as we talk about refilling, this is not the last time Peter is filled. Uh, Dr. Timothy Tennant, president of Asbury Seminary, in his book, The Spirit-Filled Life, says, we have at least four accounts in the book of Acts, a couple here just in this chapter, where Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the refilling work of the Holy Spirit. Here's why he says why, and it's a little heady, it's a little academic, it's a little complex, so see if you can stay with this, okay? Here's Dr. Dr. Timothy Tennant. Here's why the refilling. We leak. (laughs) You were able to get that? Okay. We can leak. Maybe it's through busyness. Maybe it's through pain. Maybe it's through just spending ourselves. We leak, and so we need the Spirit to refill. But maybe as well, and this is a little preachy, but you're going to see some of it here. Maybe it's because I need a refilling because when He comes... He not only makes Jesus clear, he makes my need clear. And I'm going to see places. He's going to help me to see. Not just Jesus. He comes to help me see, ooh, I haven't yielded that part of my life. I haven't submitted this attitude to him yet. I haven't given him this particular talent yet or resource yet. There's going to be constantly where the Spirit is opening our eyes to the places where he wants to come and fill, where he's got to come and reign and lead and so we need a refilling you're going to see that at least four times with peter in this book and there there's many prerequisites here about why they were set up to have the holy spirit fall upon them but i want us to look at a couple that we see in chapter two we'll get to the others in coming weeks but the first one is this if you're a note taker i'm a methodist it's a three-point sermon all with the same letter you ready the number one is worship And you see it really from verse 1. Now, it doesn't note that they're worshiping, but but they're at Pentecost. That's the setting from verse 1 of chapter 2. They're at Pentecost. Christ has commanded them to be there. And by the way, it may have taken that to get them there. Pentecost is the least of the three festivals. The end of the barley harvest is the least of the three festivals. It's the least attended. You know, if you're within a certain mile range, you're definitely going to go to Passover. That's the key. We remember the atoning work of God. We remember that he's called us out of Exodus. But Pentecost, nah, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. It's not for us. It's not Christmas Eve. It's not Easter. It's not even Ash Wednesday. It's, uh, it's Ascension Sunday, as critical as that Sunday is. It's, tri- it's maybe like Trinity Sunday. Look, how many of you with your children or grandchildren dress them up special for Ascension Sunday? 
How many of you call me and say, we need a photo op. It's Trinity Sunday. We've got to take pictures on this day. How many of us have gone, been, and scrambled for chairs in the narthex because it's Ascension Sunday and the crowds will be coming? It's a critical day in the life of the church. Jesus is going home to his Father. It's Ascension Sunday. Well, that's Pentecost is a big day, a day of celebration of God's of faithfulness. And it's even deeper than that uh, uh, when, when you look at uh, that special day. Um, there's this other meaning of Pentecost. And it's, it's this secondary celebration for them as Jews at that time when God wrote his law, his laws on tablets. And they remember that. What imagery for us. They celebrated the law written on tablets, but now God has come that day in the person of his Holy Spirit and he's written his law upon our hearts. What a beautiful imagery for us. Pentecost ought to be a great day of celebration. For them, eh, and maybe for us. Look, you know this. You know it's true. If Ole Miss or Southern or State are playing whatever, Maine, although they beat us one year. I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> but you're going to avoid that game instead of a Georgia or an Alabama, right? This is lesser. Do I really have to go to Pentecost? Jesus says, get there. Listen, it's Father's Day. Look, fathers, we don't get, we don't get what mamas get, nor, nor should we. Let me say that clearly, <laughs> nor should we. But, but $7 billion less a year is spent on Father's Day than on Mother's Day. $7 billion less. Dads get 25% less cards than mothers on Mother's Day. Attendance, it's less on Father's Day than Mother's Day. The only thing we win at on Father's Day is gifts that have to do with apparel. So enjoy that tie, Dad. That's all you get is a tie. That's what Pentecost is. A secondary day. And I share this with you all the time, but it's my testimony. I argued with the old man and I never really did that. Vietnam vet, football coach, tough, muscular guy. I rarely argued with dad. But I had sports or I had homework or I had somewhere I needed to be. And I said, I'm not going to that youth group tonight. Just not going. Finally stood up. That worked for like 10 seconds. And then he said to me, you're going tonight. You're going and that's, the, that's it. You're going. And... Uh, it's the first time I clearly heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I came home that night. I can still see it beside my bedside. And I knelt down and I said, yes to Jesus. Would you forgive me of all that stuff I've done? And would, would your spirit come into my heart and make me new? And he did. Because dad, it's like that book, if you remember, the, I think it was a Vietnam vet, Sammy, uh, point man. His job is to get him out. He always got his men out. Our job, not just dads, men of the church. It's our job to get our kids home. And my dad helped me with that that day. He, when, when, when there's all that pressure, just let your kids do what they want to do. The pressure, just fit in with other parents. Don't be overt about your religion or push it on your kids. You're going to go. Because he said go, I heard the gospel and, and became a believer. We can't miss out on these worship opportunities uh, that we might say, oh, it's second rate. I don't have time to go to the men's event or the women's event. God showed up at Fight Club. God shows up at Seasons 
of faith. God shows up at our revivals. God shows up at our Ignite Summits. God shows up uh, at our, when our guest uh, speakers come. We've got, I know we're busy. I know we're tired. I know we're pressed. But they, they could have said it's just Pentecost. But Jesus says you go, and they go, and they were filled. By the way, the only reason we're in this room because somebody went very unwillingly. His name was John Wesley. He says, I went very unwillingly to Aldersgate. Didn't want to go. But he put himself in a position, and his heart was strangely warmed, and the world's never been the same. Uh, sometimes we have to press through feelings and press through being tired, press through busyness. What we see here at Pentecost is the call to worship. When we put ourselves in that position, the fire of God just may fall. Secondly, it's the importance of the Word of God. You see that in verse 16. When Peter gets up to speak, when Stephen gets up to speak, when Philip has the opportunity to speak, when Paul has multiple opportunities to speak, what you see them routinely do is not say, let me tell you what I have experienced. Testimony is huge. We may have an opportunity to talk about that, and they certainly do that. But here's what they routinely say. Let me tell you what's been said, that God has revealed through his holy word. Everything that's happening, all these wonderful things you're seeing, Joel talked about that centuries ago. This is what the word has said and we need to be in the word so we don't miss what God desires to do they may have missed what God desires to do through the spirit if they hadn't read Joel but this is what God has wanted all along old men young men young women I'm going to pour out my spirit on you and all these things are going to happen and if we're not in the word we're we're not in a mindset or have an expectation that'll do those things you say, well, preacher, I'm in church. I know the word. Anybody watch Jeopardy recently? I'm not picking on them, but come on. That's not pulled out of Ezekiel or Ecclesiastes or 3 John. But the clue this week was, our Father who art in heaven, blank be thy name. These are the smartest people among us. I have no shot at getting on Jeopardy. I'd be down about 20 grand in the first thing. Guessing wrong answers. None of them could answer that question. Hallowed be thy name. We have to be in the word to know what it is God can and desires to do. You get to Acts 19. He's with disciples in the faith. What do you mean you don't have the Holy Spirit? <coughs> Nobody told us. We don't know. Believers, we ought to know about the Holy Spirit because if we read the first page of Scripture, he's there. I think it's verse 2, Genesis 1. The Spirit hovered over the waters. We see the Spirit anointing, anointing kings. We see the Spirit speaking through the prophets. He's, he's throughout the entire Scriptures. We have to be in the Word to understand what it is God desires to do and what He will do. In Acts 19, they didn't have a clue. Then they received uh, the Holy Spirit. Same thing in Acts 11. Peter has to point back to the Word, to the words of Christ, to remind them. This is what God has always said, what He wants to do. We have to do it. And again, just like worship, I know it's time-taking. I want to read you another preacher so you're not mad at me, okay? This is a preacher from 1948, A.W. Tozer. I read his book, The Pursuit of God, a few weeks ago, getting ready for the series. Here's what he said back in the 40s, talking about this spiritual discipline of staying in the Word and really digging in. He says, that exercise and cultivation was dear to the saints of old, but in 1948, it no longer has a place. He says, 
that kind of work is too slow, too common, and we want glamour and fast-flowing dramatic action. We want short devotions. We want fun. We want a dynamic personality to lead us over the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this was before Elvis. This was bef- I think it was before the internet and all those things that could, you know, that could, could get your attention. And he said, it is a deep and serious malady of the soul. And it's not just his generation, it's every, every generation. Uh, if, we don't, if we're not doing that work of staying in the scriptures, of just quickly hitting, hitting a chapter so I can say I hit it and not really digging in, I might miss what he's trying to say of, 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 what, can be, of what can be mine. So it's not just worship, but it's critical that you and I are in the word. Now this last word, and this is a little preachy, the third word is warning. When you get to the end, when you get to the end of this passage, and, the, and they're cut to the heart, and they say, what do we need to do? What, what do we need to do? You don't hear Peter saying, well, let me tell you, here's what I think. You don't hear Peter say, well, God's doing this new thing. And listen, God is doing a new thing. Isaiah, he talks about the new thing that God wants to do. Uh, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, yes, you are, if you're in Christ Jesus, you're a new creation. The Holy Spirit comes to transform and make new. But what Peter and Paul and Stephen and Philip and others throughout the book of Acts, when they, when they say anything, what they're going to say is, what does what the word say? Here's what the word has said. What is it that Peter says? He doesn't say anything in himself. He just repeats Jesus again. He repeats John the Baptist again. I'm going to tell you what John the Baptist's first sermon was. I'm going to tell you what Jesus' first sermon was. Repent and be baptized. Even the book of Acts screams of that. Whatever Jesus has revealed, whatever he has said, that's what we're going to be about. That's the bookends of, of Acts. I think it's the second or third verse in the book of Acts. Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's kingdom of God. The very last verse in the book of Acts, guess what it is? They went out and they proclaimed the kingdom of God. Why? Because kingdom of God is the number one topic that Jesus talks about. He talked about it all the time. So the book ends of what the church is to be about, they're about to be the kingdom of God. What's the church supposed to preach? Whatever Jesus preached, repent and be baptized. And so it's a reminder to us um, of the importance of not just keeping the word before us, but... Not only do we see in these disciples, but here for Peter, that the word of God is consistently shared, but what he shares is consistent with the word of God. And so we want to be careful to do that, to test the spirits as John in his epistle uh, talks about. We want to be careful uh, to do that. Matter of fact, I like what I like what First John verse four says about testing the spirits and making sure everything, every idea we bump up against matches the word of God. Here's how the message interprets that. It's a paraphrase, but I love this. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. I cannot count how many men and women over the years have told me, you know what the Spirit told me to do? Do you know what he impressed upon my heart? I think it was well-intended. But, but it was not consistent with the word of God. It didn't match what Jesus said. 
what the Father has revealed, or what Thomas Oden, the great Wesleyan scholar, would say. It's the Spirit who summons up the Word of God. It's Him who's breathed the Word of God. It's what the Spirit says. He's never going to come and say anything inconsistent with what He's revealed in His Word. And so you and I have to be in the Word, not just for we can put ourselves in a place where we can see what the Lord wants to do, but it's to check every part of our thought life, every part of our, our obedience to what the Word of God says. What about you this morning? In terms of worship, are we putting ourselves in a place to receive the fire of God? That's what these disciples did. They went the extra mile to say, we're going to be faithful to be where you just might show up. What about the Word? Are we taking time to really stay in the Word so that we can see this is what God wants to do? And will we do the work that anytime we feel the leading, we'll talk about it in weeks to come, the leading or the impression of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do the work to test that against the Word of God. Here's what A.W. Tozer says as well. All God has ever done for any of His children, He will do for all of His children. I believe that. I believe that. We see it here in chapter 2. Filling, witness, relationship, community, holiness, serving, testimony. All God desires is that we have those things. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us in and through the Holy Spirit. To draw us closer to Christ. To meet a deep need that we have. We pray as we look at this scripture today, you, you move, Holy Spirit, however you will, to, to show us our need, to show us our next step. But as we, as we look at this word, would you also help us in the busyness of life, in our scrambling to try to bless and to work and to do, that we would not miss those extra times of worship so that you might fall, that you might have more of us, that the fire of God would fall. Bless our study to help us to see, as we've already sung and prayed today, that we'd see more of Jesus and we'd see more of his benefits in our lives, that we'd see those places, those attitudes, those things, whatever they may be, even people that we have not yet yielded and surrendered uh, to you. Holy Spirit as well, help us to be clear about your voice, uh, to be able to do the work to test the spirits. There are so many voices in this world, and we want to know the word, and we want to live by that word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen. Our closing-